Hey, this is Pastor Jesse of City Lights Church, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you and confirms the fact that the kingdom of God is a present reality in our lives that you get to live out. You get to be God's ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. That's exciting news. We also hope that our messages challenge your identity to help you understand who you really are in Christ. I hope that you're blessed by this message today. I am so glad to be here. I, I really, uh, I drove around all over Scranton this morning. Just, I found Krispy Kreme. That's like next to Jesus right there. I'm telling you, we don't have them up there, man. I'm telling you. And I grew, I grew up in Virginia right next door to Krispy Kreme, the hot ones I know all about, you know. Now they don't give them away. It's, it's ridiculous. All right, moving on. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you um, what I feel um, when I became president, I went to Africa for three weeks and just sat still before the Lord. Took my wife and my daughter and son-in-law before they had Emerson. And I, we, I just said, Lord, show me what you want to say to the churches, especially the churches that I'm responsible for. So whenever I come to a church, uh, uh, and this is a church that's not connected with us, I say, God, what do you, are you, are you got a, have you got a word? He gave me four sermons four sermons, and one of those messages, I believe, especially when I walked in this building, it confirmed it for me, because it's so much like the church where I pastored for all those years, <clears throat> and, uh, and, 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 and what I really believe the Lord wants to speak to you today, the, the title of my message is going to be this, Enlarging Your Capacity for Greatness. I'll get to why and get into that for you. But enlarging your capacity for greatness. If you have a Bible and want to turn uh, in the Bible and follow me, I'm going to just preach from one verse, Isaiah 54, verse 2. Now, before I read that verse, let me just kind of give you the context of the verse. Isaiah 53 is right before Isaiah 54. I do get smarter than that, okay? Okay. Isaiah 53 has a lot of verses in the Bible that most Christians quote. People who are followers of Christ, they things like this. By his stripes we are, see, so you know, okay? That's in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 speaks about the, the price. <clears throat> if we want anything good going on in this world, it's because somebody paid a price. And, and healing comes because a price was paid. Isaiah 55 has verses that talk about the promises, For example, my word will not return void. Or my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. Those verses are in Isaiah 55, which I think they speak to the nation of Israel, the children of Israel who have been in captivity. And now they're coming out, and God is showing them all kinds of grace. He said, I'm going to pay the price, and then i got some promises for you. The way you've been thinking is not good. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. It's interesting, in Isaiah 54, and this is what was happening to me when I was in Africa. I was reading this book of Isaiah, and I came across this, these chapters. And again, there's verses all throughout there that you'll hear quoted. But this verse here stood out to me uh, to speak to churches, and I want to say, today, I'm not so much wanting to talk to the church. <clears throat> in fact, I really believe that This word could apply to the church, but I felt like when I walked in here today that the Lord said this word today will apply to the individuals. 
will apply to the individuals. And so I'm speaking to us. I'm speaking to what God wants to say to us. And in verse 2, he says this. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. I'll read that again. Enlarge the place of your tent. And let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes. When I said God wants to enlarge your capacity for greatness, sometimes in churches we we get a little bit hung up sometimes on that word greatness. Because we sometimes think that to be great is something that, you know, that's not good. That's kind of a worldly mindset. But, you know, even the disciples, when they were arguing with one another, who's going to be the greatest? Jesus didn't say to them, you naughty boys, you you terrible disciples, you shouldn't be thinking that way. He didn't say that. He said, look, okay, if you're going to be great, be a servant. See, he didn't say, don't be great. He said, if you're going to be great, if you're going to have the capacity of greatness going on in your life, do it with a servant attitude. In fact, he said this to all of us. He said, greater things shall you do than he has done. And I believe that God wants to do greater things. As I've been going around the world and literally for three years now traveling almost every Sunday somewhere, um, 28,000 miles last year on my car, three, four, five nations that I went to, right? I mean, I went to South Sudan and preached at a graduation. God is moving all over the world. It's pretty cool, right? And so, and God is showing me that especially in America, maybe not Scranton, but especially in America, that we are not functioning at our level of capacity as the church, That we have somewhat become a little bit relaxed, compliant, left still. And but but I found everywhere, including Scranton, a desire to be better, a desire to be enlarged, a desire to do more. And so God is wanting to enlarge our capacity for greatness. I want to read the message version of that passage, just that verse 2 in Isaiah 54. The message version says it this way. Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. Use plenty of rope and drive those tent pegs deep. This verse is prophesied, spoken by people who come in and give you a word of the Lord and those kinds of things. This verse is prophesied very often incorrectly. It's prophesied this way, in larger tents. Let me give you three things that we need to do in order to enlarge the capacity of our greatness. Point number one, enlarge the place of your tents. Didn't say enlarge your tents. God's saying to us, enlarge the place. The message version is where I woke up to this. I had to look at it. Then I went back to the original and, whoa. I never saw it. Misquoted it myself. It says, enlarge the place of your tents. 
Clear the lots of ground for your tents. So the first thing I would say to us, we are a tent. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God is saying to you, if you want to enlarge your capacity, you must clear the space of your tent. I was born in England. I was raised in England until I was nine years old. I flew, uh, no, I mean, I, I came on a boat, not flew. I came with my family from England to emigrate to Hampton, Virginia, down near the peninsula area. And my, my father wanted, it was a car mechanic and went into business. And, uh, and it was like total culture shock. Like, here I am, this little weeny little guy about the age of Haley, and I'm sitting there with a beautiful English accent, which I wish I'd kept because if you're a preacher and you speak with an English accent, you're amazing. But I don't speak with an English accent. And here I am, I'm literally in culture shock. I didn't know it, I was nine years old. And my whole family thought, you Americans are weird. Now, I became an American citizen in 1993 when I became 33 years of age. But my point being is, is that I came here and my, my, my dad said, we got we to gotta get our kids connected in society. And my dad enrolled me in a Boy Scouts, the United States Boy Scouts of America. I was a Boy Scout. The only thing is, is my dad, who was a car mechanic, one of the car mechanics next to him was the scoutmaster, was also a Marine drill sergeant. I joined the United States Marine Corps Boy Scouts of America. I was in it for three years. This guy was a maniac. I'm telling you, he must have thought we were, our, you know, 21-year-old. I mean, this guy... I literally, in one year, walked the entire Appalachian Trail in the state of Virginia. When I was, when I, towards the end of my time there as a Boy Scout, um, I went to the Monongahelia National Forest and trained for one week with my buddy. Now I'm 13 years old, and I'm training how to live off of a poncho and two matches for a week. Learned, I mean, I ate clover, four leaf, no, three leaf clovers, you know? I mean, I ate anything you could think of. Learn how to, to boil water without a pots and a raincoat. I mean, the last two days, they blindfolded us, drove us two hours away, dropped us off and said, see you in two days. My parents would be arrested today. You know what I'm saying? For that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, you, you know, you don't have a car seat today, you're in trouble. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, but here, here's one thing I knew. I learned about camping. And when you camp, you have to clear your lots. You have to clear your space. And, and I found that there were three things that I needed to clear out, out of my space. Because this guy, uh, Pastor, he, he would just say, we're going to camp right here. And I had to clean out rocks. You have never laid all night on a rock if you don't understand that. You had to clear out the rocks. Then sometimes he would say, over in that field. That field looks pretty when you drive by at 55 miles an hour, but those stalks are like needles going in your back if you don't somehow or another kick them down and scrape them down where you're going to lay on them all night. Another thing I learned is when you're camping is there's hills and valleys 
You don't see them when you look across at that field, but they're from the tire tracks of the farmers. You know, South Butler, where I pastored, was all farming. You know, so I know about that. But as a little boy, I already knew about that. Because if you lay, you wake up with like a new accordion design. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and so you have to clear your lots. Rocks. Rocks represent the hard things that can be in our lives. If we're going to enlarge our capacity for greatness, we have to ask, what are the hard things? What are the things that have become hard-hearted in us? What are the things that have created some kind of stubbornness in us that prevents us from becoming all he wants? I guarantee you, if I go to churches and I have an altar call and I preach on the topic of forgiveness, that I get the largest response at an altar call from Christians who have been forgiven holding unforgiveness towards others. Unforgiveness is one of the biggest things I've found in the church that creates a hardness and a bitterness in us. People say to me all the time, well, I, I've forgiven everybody. Then I mention that name, John. Well, well there is John. You, you know what I'm saying? Like that. You know what I, mean? I get it. Because it's a process usually. But if we're going to enlarge our capacity for greatness, we've got to ask ourselves, what is going on inside of us? What are some of the hard things that are, are, are sticking out to us? Attitudes. You ever met anybody with a bad attitude? I can't. I can't. I can't even comprehend it. The other day I was, uh, I was uh, getting gas and I walked up to, 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 you know, to go get some snacks uh, for the journey. And, and uh, this lady was so angry at the register. I was trying to be a nice Christian and, uh, you know, and, and just try to be friendly and goofy. She didn't like me. Now, I, I didn't even know her. Something was going on in her. Are you with me? I almost wanted to apologize for buying something from the mobile station. Why? Because there was something hard. She probably doesn't even know it. It's become so accustomed to her. She's used to laying in that tent with hardness. We need to, we need to get rid of the rocks. Number two, we need to, we need to cut down the weeds. The Bible says, in an illustration that Jesus uses as a parable, uh, it's the parable of the sower. He talks about different soils that he casts his word. That's really what the parable is about, the seed. And one of the, one of the soils is in the weeds. You know, the Bible says that its word, God's word, is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to confront and change our lives. But I read a verse recently that just captured me. I think I heard it from uh, Chris Volatin from Bethel preaching about it. And he said, it's interesting that we have the power to make God's word not effect. It's powerful, but our rebellion towards his word can choke it out. The weeds in our lives. Habits. It doesn't even have to be sin. Things about our behavior, God says go this way and our habits of life continue to make us go this way and God's word is not effect. A guy in my church, um, uh, he, he, uh, 
uh, we, we used to have a prophetic ministry come into our church, people who really have a sense of hearing from God and can speak a word. And, uh, and, and this, this one guy uh, who we had built a relationship with was like that. I mean, the guy just blew me away how accurately he heard for, for people from God, right? And he walks up to this young boy in my church. He's probably about 17, and he puts his hand on this boy's shoulder and he says this to him. Pastor, 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 pastor. And then he walks away. I'm like, I guess he's meant to be a pastor. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if the guy's real, you know. Well, the guy goes to Bible college, graduates, gets married, has four children, still in my church today. Five or six weeks ago, the same prophet came, years later, walks up to the same guy and goes, pastor, 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 pastor. There is no way he remembers that guy. Let me tell you why he's not going to pastor. Because he's in such debt. He has lived a life that's trapped him so hard that it's choked out the word. The guy has so much potential. He's had people like me coach him to try to get there. But there are weeds that choke out the word and the direction of the Lord. Enlarge your capacity for greatness. Get rid of rocks. Cut down the weeds. Deal with the uneven places in your life. I think Insecurity is one of the greatest enemies of the church. Up one minute, down the next. Up, I mean, I'm insecure. Everyone is insecure. In fact, just turn to somebody right now and say, you're insecure. That had to make some of you feel good right there. I mean, it's not about whether we are. It's about how much. Come on. Hello? And, 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 and so, God, help me become secure in you. Let, let me increase my trust in you for this situation. Hello? Because as we are insecure, God will help us have security. Take my yoke upon you. See? So the first thing we must do if we're going to enlarge our capacity for greatness is clean out our space. Number two, it says, enlarge the place of your tent. Message version, clear the lots of ground for your place. And let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. It still doesn't say enlarge your tents. It still doesn't say add to your tents. It says stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Number two, First one, clean out your space. Number two, if you want to enlarge your capacity for greater things in your life, stretch out your reach. Stretch out your reach. I already told you that I pastored the church for 27 years. By the time I left the church, we had about 450 people in our congregation. We had seven full-time staff. 
we had three missionaries that were sent out of our church who were living in other countries. I'm asked to stop. I'm asked to leave that. I'm asked to end that. Where I really, I mean, I was like, this is my family. And now I want you to leave that and go to Jared. I mean, Elam. Jared wasn't there yet. But he's been a great friend to me as well. He's been my pastor. I've pastored longer than him, but he's my pastor. And I'm over there full time. Now I have 907 pastors. I used to deal with people. Now I deal with pastors. It's much more difficult. You know what I'm saying? They know more. They have more Bible knowledge. They've had the experience. They don't want to change. And I'm trying to help a movement change. It's difficult. I had 350 people. Now I have 907 pastors. I had seven on staff. I have 21 on staff. I am being stretched. I mean stretched. Like you... There was another guy that was supposed to be the president. For 10 years, we've been talking about him being the full-time president. And then they picked me. He's smarter than me. He's more intelligent than me. And they picked me. I'm being stretched. I did this illustration in one of our churches about eight weeks ago. And I realized he stretched for me. And if he could stretch for me, I could stretch for him. Amen? God wants to stretch us. God wants to enlarge our capacity. It says here, do not spare. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords. Don't hold back. Think big. The positive thinking that you talked about. Start thinking big. Start thinking and dreaming again. Start moving. Spare no event, uh, no expense in the New Living Translation it says. New International Version says, don't hold back. Use plenty of rope. Not to hold the tent down. Because if you study that, the lengthening of your cords, King James Version, is about measuring. Chris, you used to measure your life with a ruler. Now I want you to begin to measure your life with a yardstick. God has bigger plans for you, Chris. Begin to step up to that which I have called you to. It was while I was sitting on the couch in Africa because it was, a, it was crazy thinking I was going to leave something that I built. But then all of a sudden, God said, I have called you to this. That's all I needed. When I knew it wasn't because of the vote of men, it was the call of God. I was able to step into it. Are you with me? Faith comes by hearing the words of T.D. Jakes. No, the words of the Lord. Not a regurgitated word. Not another Bible word that somebody else got. The word of the Lord for you. And in that, you can stand and you can lengthen your cords, and you can begin to stretch out your reach. And now I'm here in Scranton, where the office is. <laughs> I never even watched an episode of The Office. I'm sorry. 
My wife's watched them all. But are you with me? Who would have thought that I'd be coming to a place like this and knowing Pastor Jesse and, uh, and Ashley? You know, I'm, it's, it's amazing to me. He's stretching out my reach. It's awesome. And sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes I have to be a, a man that says, you can't behave that way, Pastor. That's difficult. He's stretching out my reach. What's he want to stretch in your life? What's he want to stretch in your life? Number one, tell me what it is. Clear out your space. Come on, say it. Clear out your space. Number two, stretch out your reach. Number three, strengthen your tent pegs. Or let me give it to you the way the message version. Drive your tent pegs deep. Drive your tent pegs deep. How am I doing? Good. He told me to finish before two. All right. <laughs> I'm almost done. Drive your tent pegs deep. You know, um, whenever I went camping with my Marine sergeant, I um, remember that once in a while what we would do is we would take our ponchos me and a friend, and we would snap them back to back and make a bigger tent. And what I noticed, though, is in the night when the wind came, of all the tents, ours blew down because it was bigger and caught the wind. It caught the wind. The other ones were still small, and the wind went over them. Whenever God begins to do a new work in you and he enlarges your capacity... For greatness, he gives you more opportunity. He gives you opportunity. He lengthens your cords and he and he and he stretches you. Whenever that happens, you're more susceptible to every wind of doctrine. You're more susceptible for attack because you're a bigger target. Are you with me? Some people, you're not even. I mean, you're not even annoyed by the enemy because you're just used to being doing nothing. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I'm not saying anybody here. I'm just people. We, 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 we tend to be settled. But the minute God says, now I want to use you for Sunday school. Now I want you to raise your hands in church. Well, I, I don't know about that. I was brought up Southern Baptist when I got saved. I was 19 years old when I got saved. This church did not believe in raising their hands. Now, I didn't plan on sharing this, so this might be for somebody here. They taught that what you, you can't be emotional. You have to raise your hands in your heart. My soul. And I went to this church. I used to work for the 700 Club as a car mechanic. And um, in, in the early 80s. And, and I went to this church. As a Southern Baptist, I went to this church that was more like the church we have here. And I'm sitting around, and everybody in the whole room, except for this one dear, sweet, old, she had to be a widow sitting next to me, and I were not raising our hands because we're not into that emotionalism. And I'm, we're, I'm sitting here thinking about that, and, uh, and worship is going on, and this is back in 1983, and everybody's worshiping, but I'm sitting here just honoring the Lord, you know, 
And, and, uh, and all of a sudden, I look over, and Grandma's raising her hands. Now there's only one person in the room. And God dealt with my hardness and my pride and my ignorance because I've been taught wrong. And he stretched me. And I remember I, did a, I only did a half flag. <laughs> but, but that was it right there, you know. But listen, listen. I wish that all men and women, we read, I wish that all men, but it's mankind. I wish that all mankind would lift their hands to me. Don't let another worship experience go by without stretching your reach. Now, when you start doing that, you're up for criticism. That's why we need to be grounded in our word. We need to know what the Bible is saying about raising our hands. We don't do it because we are emotional. We're doing it because we're obedient to a voice that's confirmed by a book. Grounded in what we do. And when you're grounded, you will enlarge your capacity for greatness. If I could have the worship team come at this time. I'm going to close my time by sharing something with you. One of the deepest privileges of my life, I don't know if any of you would know this name, but there's a pastor who's in my era was well-known across the world. His name is Jack Hayford. And God gave me the privilege of being mentored by him for several years. He took me to Israel by, by myself and mentored me in, the, in the Israel. I, I just, by God's grace, was mentored. And I heard him preach a sermon one day in Israel on, on rocks, on rocks. And I want to share this as, a, as, a, as an opportunity. I usually put it in the beginning of my message, but I want to share it now. When we're cleaning our rocks, when we're dealing with the rocks, he said there's three things that we can do with rocks. And we Christians can do this. We church folk can do this. What we can do is, number one, we can throw them. We can blame other people for our hardness. We can say, well, it's my mother. It's actually my dad. It's my kids. It's that neighbor. It's the pastor. It's the congregation. Are you with me? We can throw rocks. Another thing we can do with rocks is we can carry them. I know a lot of Christians. I've been around. It's it's been amazing insight for me. I love people, and I see people who are carrying the weight of hardness in their church, and they're up there singing in church, shout to the Lord, and they can't because they're so weighed down by the weight of their hardness. You can throw them, you can carry them, And Jack Hayford said, you can build an altar with them. You can take rocks. And when I was in Israel, we we built an altar and he preached that sermon. and And he said, go get a big rock. And he said, take that rock and lay it on this altar. And let that rock represent the hard things that you need to let go of. And then he said, lay yourself over that altar as a living sacrifice. 
and leave it with him. Oh, I did that back then in Israel. You have no idea how light. I was ready to run like a doe. Are you with me? And uh, free from something that I've been carrying for so long. How many of you want to enlarge your capacity for greatness? Raise your hand. You say, I, I want to be better than bigger and great for the kingdom. Okay, if you raise your hand, stand up. If you didn't raise your hand, stand up. All right. I want us to, I want us to worship a little bit. Pastor, I'm going to turn it over to you. I'll be glad to join you, but... Maybe there's some of you here today, you would say, I just need to build an altar. You don't have to come forward to do that. You could do that right where you are. You could just say, here's my rock, Lord. I just, I want to give this to you. Don't throw it. Don't carry it any longer. I just feel like there's so many things in my message. Some of you, God's calling you to raise your hands, stretch out. Some of you, God is saying, you need to be more grounded in the word. I don't know what God is saying to you, but I want to focus on the rocks, and if there's a rock, you don't have to come forward. Please, I really mean that. Just, you could just right there in your, in, in your seat, just say, Lord, here's my rock. I, I need to leave it for you. Some of you may say, I feel a little paralyzed. I've waited down so long. If that's the case, I would open up to be willing to pray with you. We could pray all together or we could pray individually. I'll leave that up to pastor. But uh, it's been a privilege to be here. Thank you so much. God bless you all.